This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Health safety concerns that became top of mind for the whole planet back in March 2020 led to a lot of assumptions that the interactive display business was going to go touchless, with screens managed by mid-air sensors or perhaps by voice. That only kind of sort of played out, as touchscreen companies did just fine through the pandemic. Staffing shortages and a desire to minimize staff-to-customer contacts led to widespread adoption of self-service screens used to order food and buy tickets. Screens like kiosks. But a German company that specializes in touchless technology suggests while customers will use touchscreens to specifically get and do things in faster and easier ways, situations in which the screens are more about experience and discovery are going to go touch-free. Emeria argues that when a screen experience is opt-in, consumers are happier if they don't have to touch the screen, for health safety reasons and also because of the age-old worry about the cleanliness of the people who use the screen before them. Based in Heidelberg but selling globally, Emeria is focused on on the software that creates, enables, and delivers touch-free experiences using optical sensors. I had an interesting chat with Johannes Troger, who runs business development for the company. Johannes, thank you for joining me. Can you give me a rundown on what Emeria is all about? Yes, uh, thank you, Dave, for having me. Uh, and, and sure, I can give you a little rundown. Um, so Emeria um, is originally a software company um, coming from software project development. And a few years back, we went into the um, brick and mortar retail space, uh, providing interactive solutions. Um, We're all about uh, bringing a great experience to to the customer. Um, Started uh, providing a lot of uh, touch-free or touchless solutions uh, to customers. Uh, So this is one of the things we're doing. And we're also providing a uh, cloud platform behind that to manage all the solutions to bring out the contents and to collect the data. And you're based in Heidelberg, Germany? That is correct. We're based in Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, we're founded here a few years back, uh, um, actually by uh, um, a couple of students from uh, from Heidelberg University who met there and uh, found that uh, there was a big market for, uh, for software development. And... Um, yeah, that's how it got started. Um, and then after a few changes, we arrived at where we are now. Are the students still involved or has it kind of evolved from there? Um, so so one of them is, he's still uh, our CEO. Um, okay. And uh, the other one left a few years back. Um, but uh, so uh, one of the founders is still is still heading the company and is still our visionary behind everything we do. Okay, and you're you're a private company, but you have uh, outside investment. Yes, we are a private company. It's uh, still mainly owned by uh, by the founder and and his family. 
Um, but we have uh, we have some outside investors. Uh, so the biggest part actually goes to a crowd crowd investing um, group. Oh, okay. Um, so there's a it's a German platform called Companisto, and uh, we did a, a few rounds uh, with them, um, which was a really great uh, way for us to do it because uh, it allowed a lot of uh, people who also come from uh, from the industry to invest, um, and they didn't have to go in with with large amounts, but they really became our uh, kind of marketing and and PR crowd. Um, and then we have uh, um, a few um, larger uh, larger investors also uh, also involved, um, but it's mainly uh, let's say from a family office uh, space. And what's your role with the company? So my role is uh, I'm I'm really heading the business development and partner development uh, okay. uh, part of the business. Um, so uh, on on the one hand I'm I'm uh, a lot out there uh, now again out there at trade fairs uh, um, and uh, and conventions and so on, um, uh, talking to uh, to potential customers, uh, also working with a lot of our partners. And also have uh, still have some some accounts uh, which uh, which I started developing when I started at the company, um, and uh, where, I'm, where I'm still involved uh, in in projects, which is always really good uh, because uh, from once in a while to see what's actually happening out there, uh, that's that's really good. We met at uh, Infocom in Las Vegas uh, two three weeks ago, and I'm curious, uh, was this kind of a first foray into the U.S. to start to build out that market, or have you been active in it for some time? So um, in the in the past, we had um, some some projects in in North America, uh, but they were mainly driven by uh, customers um, from uh, from Europe who uh, who we supported in in, in projects uh, with their um, with their companies in in north america so really infocom was the the first uh, the first uh, foray we we did into into north america uh, also talking to potential customers there to potential partners and and getting a feel of the american market mm-hmm. so w- how would you describe the state of the business are you you're out there w- with active installations and everything else or are you just kind of building things up so we are we are out there with uh, with active installations. Um, they're usually not at a large scale yet. Um, so so uh, we're talking about a lot of pilots uh, okay. and a lot of small scale uh, installations. Um, so it's um, it's it's about at this uh, at this stage of, of of the business, and I think we're on the on the verge of uh, the first bigger rollouts uh, with the. Uh, with the touch-free technology, and it, it, is that kind of the lead product now? Is is touch-free? Uh, exactly. That's uh, that's what we've been uh, focusing on uh, in in the last, let's say, two to three years. Um, we actually had some uh, touchless solutions um, already before the pandemic, um, and we used them mainly in retail for promotion campaigns. Uh, we used them at, at trade fairs for uh, for companies who wanted to, uh, well, basically get uh, more attention to uh, to their booth. 
Um, but let's say it was a niche product, right? Um, so um, it, 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 it worked really well in what it was supposed to do, but, but people didn't really see the need beyond that. And so with the pandemic hitting, um, a lot of companies uh, realized, okay, there, there are some companies out there in the market who are already doing solutions like this. Um, and they came to us and, and based, based on their needs and, and, and requirements and based on our experience and ideas, we um, started pushing, pushing those solutions, uh, um, developing uh, uh, new, um, new options um, and really augmenting our portfolio where it was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that became uh, that became really really the focus. It's interesting when the pandemic first hit. Uh, the the conventional wisdom was this was the end for physical touch screens. Nobody was going to use one ever again because you know the, of the contagions on the screen and the inability to keep them clean and so on, keep them disinfected, so to speak. And what kind of played out is touchscreens actually worked or, you know, had a pretty good couple of years through the pandemic because uh, it, it was determined that separating one-to-one human contacts was safer uh, using touchscreens, even if, you know, you did have to wipe them down or, or do that sort of thing. So self-service became a, a big deal. So I, I'm curious because I thought that, okay, well, a lot of, a lot of this is now going to go to touchless and voice, but it didn't. But you, you, what did you experience? So what we what we experienced is that that well, pretty much as you described it, uh, mm-hmm. that at the start, um, a lot of um, companies believed that the day of the touchscreen was was over, and what we experienced over the course of the pandemic is that. There is a that there is a kind of big divide uh, between solutions which are uh, I would say more process based. Uh, so as you mentioned uh, self order um, kiosks, for example, in 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 the QSR space. Um, and then on the other hand, there are more experience based solutions uh, which are more geared towards marketing and uh, um, in, inspiring uh, customers and so on. And so with those process-based um, use cases, we really see that the touch screens um, are, are big in business. And mm. I think it's, it's a kind of, uh, you still got to get where you're going thing behind it, right? So people right. really want their food. And uh, as, you, as you mentioned, <laughs> it, feels, it feels safer to do it via the screen than to stand in front of a person at a, at a, uh, a at the counter um so so people use it and it's it's i mean it's quite funny because even before that we had all the uh, you know everyone could see all the studies about how um how dirty they were and yeah. how people not washing their hands and so on we, we don't want to get into those kind of unpleasant things but mm-hmm. it was pretty clear before that but it, it didn't stop people before that but when you see on the other hand um things where uh, or or use cases where um People or where companies try to, uh, yeah, bring an experience to their customers, inspire them, acquaint them with uh, uh, probably new products they have uh, or with new services they're offering. 
um, there we see that that touchscreens are not working at all. So if if people if people don't understand what what they're getting out of it, they they're not going to start interact right. uh, with with a touchscreen. So they'll um, opt in when they're hungry or they need a transit ticket or whatever. But yeah. if it's for discovery of uh, new products and promotions or, exactly. or accessory accessorizing uh, an outfit, they yeah. are less likely to want to touch something. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. So one of the challenges that I've seen with touchless, and, and it goes back to the days when people were using Kinect sensors, gesture sensors, and so on, is there was a learning curve and there was a problem with accuracy. And I, I'm, I'm wondering where that is at now. So um, obviously the, the technology has developed a lot. And I think the the uh, the way it has developed is much more on the on the software side, so really the side from from which we are coming, because we are not mm-hmm. we are not creating our own hardware sensors. Uh, we are we're really hardware agnostic in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there there are really some different things that happened. For one, the Kinect uh, really worked uh, based on on creating a, a, a full body model, right? So um, what was scoped or is called a kind of skeleton of uh, of the body, and then tracked uh, different joints and different points at the body, um, and that always meant there was some latency in it, and that always meant that um, you had to um, uh, you had to keep the the kind of interface with really large buttons and so on because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't very precise. And um, you're asking people to perform. Exactly, and you usually have a, a, a certain um, a certain distance from the screen, and they have to make really really uh, big movements, right? Yeah. Um, so this was actually really the first solutions we we offered, and and we saw that it it worked really well in uh, in 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 any environment where people were in a kind of uh, playful mood anyway, or uh, uh, where. Um, where a lot of kids were involved and so on. Um, so this worked really well. Or where you really would ask people not to perform too much in front of the right. screen, but they still got a good experience. And so with uh, uh, really what we do now, um, it's, it's for one, you're much closer to the screen. So um, you, can, you can really work with an interface that is also uh, that you could also use on a, on a, on a touch screen. Um, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's uh, advisable to display a, a website, right? Uh, because mm. the cursor is always, I mean, even, even with touch, you wouldn't uh, just use a normal website. You would probably make the buttons larger and so on. Um, but you, it's it's precise enough now that after a bit of learning, you can actually even interact with a with a website without any 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 trouble. Um, and um, so so this precision problem um, is really a, a, a thing of the past. Um, what we also do is that we give uh, that we give users uh, basically visual uh, cues, so they they get a sort of uh, cursor where we have a dot and, and a circle around it, and then they know okay if they move closer in and and the two merge, then that's when when they do the click and they get a click sound. Um, so it has become more intuitive, more precise, but at the mm-hmm. same time, 
it can uh, it can also um, you can also help people to uh, to to ease into it. And then regarding uh, regarding that that whole latency problem, here we are really working with a with a combination. So it's it's not only about modeling the hand, but it's also about taking a lot of other parameters like distance to to the screen and so on, and and and, and tracking objects in in this kind of three D space that we create, and that really allows you to to interact very very fast. So I assume the UX design is super important and the, like the workflow and that you've learned a lot through the years. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, um, uh, next to the next to the technology and 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 and, and to uh, to making it uh, really precise on on the software side. That that's really the key point, um, and that's also um, why we realized pretty early that that we had to be involved in that process at least at the start um, so we really pass on uh, our experience with that to agencies of our customers uh, where we're really involved in the in the whole design process mm-hmm. um, and and obviously it's it's about a lot of things I think some of the things also have to be considered when you talk about touch screens uh, which you use in in, in, in a public space um, obviously the size of buttons uh, the positioning so position them in places where it's comfortable for for people to reach and and, mm-hmm. and things like that and a lot of those things seem what once you look at it, they seem pretty obvious, um, but they they're not that obvious when you're designing it and when when you're in the middle of the process. Yeah, do you have to tell people up front on the screen, so to speak, that uh, you don't need to touch this, or is it intuitive enough that as you reach to touch it, it's going to blink, you know, give you a signal that yeah, you've 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 done your action already. So, so we've been we've been experimenting with a lot of different ways to to make people aware. Um, well, starting from not making them aware at all and just letting them find out themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so what we do a lot of the times is that we um, give them little hints, um, uh, little pop-ups and so on when they touch the screen um, that they don't have to, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, uh, and, you know, that it's basically a nice service to them that they don't have to touch the screen. Um, what we, but what we also do is that they still um, um, they they still activate the button even if they if they touch right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think and that that's important because we don't want to punish anyone for probably not yeah. getting it. You did uh, it wrong a few times. Yeah, I, actually at Infocom because we had an app where the uh, where the hint was actually it said in German please don't touch or you don't have to touch, uh, but it said it in German and I was always joking. We we do it wherever in the we are in the world. We do it in German because German is such a nice language for ordering people around. Um, <laughs> so um, no, but so so it's 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 nice ways. I mean, at the beginning, we 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 experimented with things like you know, if you touched it, the the whole screen turned like flashing red, and you you would get MC Hammer's "Don't Touch This" song and and, and stuff <laughs> like this. Um, but what we really saw what worked is um, and and we we have tried a few apps where we that well the, the concept or the idea behind it is that that people kind of uh, not not in a, in a in a in a straightforward tutorial um, uh, get you know get made aware of it or get taught to do anything but that they um, kind of 
explore it for themselves and and uh, and um, are, are are drawn into this by by realizing oh I'm I'm moving my hand in front of the screen and something is happening. So for example, we have a uh, we have uh, one one case where um, it's all about. Uh, recipe inspiration in 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 a, in a gross in grocery stores and and there you you get drawn in by kind of some audiovisual uh, cues to uh, to look at the screen and then if you if you start moving your hand in front of it and if you're about twenty centimeters or fifteen centimeters away from it uh, there is uh, there's this uh, wooden cooking spoon on on the screen which starts moving with your hand. And so almost by accident, you realize, oh, I, I don't have to touch and I'm, I'm, I'm still doing something. And we also do this with, with, with kind of start buttons, which follow around your hand when you move it in, in, in front of the screen. And so this, this kind of accidental realization that this is a touch-free solution, that is working really well. Um, and mm. that, that's what we can see in our, in our data. Um, and, and when we talk to, to customers, which we routinely do or to users, um, um, they usually say that that's probably the most uh, satisfying moment that they feel they found it out for themselves that this is something new. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. When you install something, is there kind of an adoption period where you can see at first there's lots of people physically touching the screen, but maybe a month later, as you get repeat users, they're, they, they get it? Um, so it's it's probably uh, not not so much an adoption period over the the whole group of users. Uh, what we see is that typically uh, a large larger proportion of the users get it pretty right away. Um, okay. So what we what we do, I mean, we 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 basically track all the movements that happen in in this kind of three D space in front of the screen, and we use this to. Uh, to also tweak our algorithms and and to work on that, and um, what we and and we also track how many of those little messages pop up when when people are actually uh, touching the screen. And so at, at at one point when we were checking the numbers, we thought, okay, there there is a hell of a lot of those messages, and we realized that they but they were restricted to very few sessions. So it seems that um, that a few people who don't get it, they really don't get it. But the majority of people get it pretty much right away. And this is uh, optical sensing, right? So it's kind of like uh, like the, those old leap motion, uh, little chocolate bar kinds of size things that uh, would create this physical space in front of a screen. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's basically we work. Uh, we usually work with multiple sensors so that we can attach them right um, on the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a, in, a, in a kind of kiosk solution, they're, they're built into that, but we also um, provide little boxes which you can uh, click on the sides of, uh, of, of just the normal 
old passive screen that that you have um and uh, they basically from from both sides create this field and uh, this this kind of multiple camera approach also allows us to scale up in the number of cameras which also allows us to for example in in the retail solutions add a third camera which is which is looking out and 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 basically uh scanning uh scanning the the surroundings so that we can react to people walking past uh with uh, uh, with the content in in okay. some audiovisual way, so um, so is there a little bit of AI attention. and machine learning happening? Um, there is actually yeah quite a quite a lot of that happening, um, especially in the let's say uh, tweaking of the uh, of the of the algorithms um, uh, in regards to to precision and and to making it more intuitive and um, so the next uh, well one of the things on the roadmap is to to use that to also be able to react to the way someone is interacting so that um, after a couple of clicks uh, we understand um, is this let's say a, a power user is it a regular user or is it a first-time user and then mm -hmm. uh, we can react in terms of, uh, of, of guidance that, that we give um, and in that there is uh, there's quite a quite a bit of machine learning involved you, you said you're a uh, software company first and foremost but you you do sell hardware are, are you selling kind of display totems that have this technology embedded in it because it's just simpler to have a, a full package as opposed to saying we can do this part and now go find the other part yeah so uh, this is what we do especially in, in in obviously in the early stages um so we um and it's different for different use cases, right? So, mm -hmm. um, for example, if it's about uh, about retail, um, we have we have partners um, who who build the who build the kiosk systems. Um, so there, there's a there's obviously a number of of uh, um, providers out there who custom build the kiosk to uh, to what the customer wants. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, they're they're also more. Uh, there's more involved so uh, it could be like a, a printer to be added to uh, to print out the recipes or um or, or some uh, some card reader uh, which should be included so that's where we work with the experts but we can um basically um then then deliver it uh, deliver it end to end um i guess when we or or what we're planning when we get to 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 larger numbers uh th this kind of partner ecosystem is obviously going to grow and what we are uh, also um working on is to um also have basically uh this this kind of retrofit um model uh where you can use the screens you already have and just right. uh, just so there's an upgrade the path yeah exactly so it sounds like uh, you, you do hardware because you have to in the early days, but ideally you, you, you're, you're behind the curtain, so to speak, enabling other hard, hardware manufacturers and solution providers to make this happen. That's really the goal, yes. <laughs> but you've got to get from the, here to there first, right? Well, I mean, that's that's always when you bring in something new, and 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 that's what when just just before when we were talking about about the content and about uh, designing the, uh, the 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 UI and and, and so on. Um, I think if you bring out something new, uh, you're always uh, required to to do much more than probably 
the, the what, what you probably consider the core of your business right and and, and mm. of your uh, of your innovative uh, capabilities um sim- simply because uh, i mean i mean if you if you do a passive digital signage or or you shoot a tv commercial or something i mean they're out there there are thousands of agencies who who understand the channel who understand how it works and who can tell any customer perfectly how it works but when you come to to uh, to to some new channel which which it really is right um then there is no agency out there who uh who who have like a, a, a whole um uh, desk full of uh, best practices mm-hmm. um and uh, and that's what we are seeing a lot of the time so for example with with one customer we were uh, we were working on uh, um a solution which uh, which uh, is placed in petrol stations uh and before that they had passive screens there and they obviously have what they do online which is the only stuff they they know how to do interactively and so somewhere in between that we had to find a way where where brand uh people said yeah that's fine that's along our guidelines because they they didn't have guidelines for that channel so it's it's really about developing uh, uh concepts for a whole new channel and uh, that's the same really with with the hardware so we talked to the uh, uh to the hardware um the producers to the uh to the kiosk uh producers and manufacturers and uh, we discussed with them how to best mount the sensors and how to uh, how to uh, how to all bring it together so um yeah that's the fate of 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 any mm-hmm. anyone who brings in an innovation but i have to say it's also the big fun of it right because it allows you to not only see this very narrow field uh, in 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 the in the kind of value chain but uh, to to also learn and understand about many many other areas and uh, yeah um, become a more rounded business person for that right and and the software is isn't just the software that you know creates this field and does motion capture and all that you, i i believe you've got composer software that allows you the the end user to you know fully design the the, the experience that they're going to or yeah the end user to design the experience that that their customers or or their users are going to see exactly so we we have a we have a, a cloud software suite um also behind that um so part of that is a, is a composer uh, software which allows you to to build the contents uh, so you basically just upload the assets and and kind of interactivate them um and uh, the other part is the uh, um, it's called the the cx manager the connected experience manager and that really takes care of uh, um all the content distribution, scheduling, um, but also uh, taking in the, the the data that is created, uh, because other than um, than a um, touchscreen, uh, we also have a lot of data uh, that uh, kind of tracks what happens before someone starts interacting with that outward-looking camera. So we know how many people walk past, they stop mm-hmm. to look at the screen, and so on. Um, and it's it's really for monitoring the uh, um, uh, the hardware, um, and it's it's really a system. We we started building it a few years back, um, and it's it's really geared towards 
being a central hub for for all sorts of different interactive uh, interactive customer experience um, solutions that you have out there. Right. So it also runs uh, augmented reality car configurators, um, mm, okay. which we did for a customer. It it also uh, runs beacon systems and and, and mobile apps for uh, um, for customers. Um, so so the idea is really everything that you bring out there. For, for your customer experience or for creating customer experience can be can be run via that centrally. Yeah, interesting. I uh, I noticed on your website that you referenced beacons, and I thought there's a technology that you know had its had its moment, and then didn't seem to get much uh, in terms of broad ranged uh, adoption. But you're using them. How are you using them? Um, so with with beacons, it's uh, it's um, a use case where it's it's really in the in the automobile industry, um, and uh, it works in a way that the beacons are placed in the cars, and then if you if you have the manufacturer's app, you can and you step next to the car, it di- displays um, uh, all the. Uh, uh, all the facts about the configuration and about the car you're standing in front of. Um, on, and then on a we, smartphone or? Yeah, on a smartphone, right. Okay, so, gotcha. Um, so the the idea uh, behind that is really to to provide information and then to allow people to, to take this information and, for example, then include it into their own configuration that they probably have done online uh, and that they have stored in the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that there really is a kind of... Uh, Exchange between uh, between the physical experience of, of the showroom mm-hmm. and, um, and the digital experience they they probably started at home. If, if somebody stops you and says, "Okay, who, who's your big client? What's that reference case that you you like to talk about? What is that?" Um, so in 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 automotive, it's uh, it's the most most we have done is with uh, with Porsche. Um, so for a long time uh, they were. Uh, they were our largest uh, largest client, um, and they were the most innovative ones, really, when it came to um, you know how to deliver more experience or more digital experience to 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 their customers. Um, with uh, in 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 retail and consumer goods, um, long-standing client and and the most innovative one, and and, and the one we. Um, we we were able to to try and learn the most with this is definitely lego um and i think one part of that was really that they obviously understood the the kind of playfulness of it right from the Mm -hmm. start um and uh, what we're seeing is that really the retailers themselves um that's that's something that really only has happened for the last two or three years i think five years ago a lot of the retailers um, still felt like uh, okay, this digital stuff in brick and mortar—that's that's mostly gadgets, and let's just yeah. hang up a couple of screens, and that's fine, um, and and that's enough. Um, if if even they did that, but um, and and now for the last two or three years, um, you know, even even in grocery retail and and so on. Um, I, I'm hearing a lot of managers saying, okay, we, we, we know that we have to move and we know that um, we have to do a lot to be ready for the future. Um, and um, I think the, the exciting thing at the moment is that um, other than, you know, if you want to build an online shop, there are a lot of people out there who can tell you that's how you build an online shop. But when you come to 
digital in the brick and mortar space, um, they, there's no one who can tell you those are the two or three recipes. Um, that's how you build it and that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So probably digital, passive digital signage is about the only thing that <laughs> that that people by now know how it, how it works and you can find someone who does it for you and, and executes it nicely and, and that's fine. But anything beyond that, it's still a lot of trial and error of finding out what is it really, what the customers want, what, what do they need, how can we attract them to, to, use, to use something. All right. Uh, this was great. If, if people want to know more about the company, how do they find that out? Where do they go online? Um, so uh, obviously, first, first point is our website. So it's uh, www.ameria.com. Um, actually, I think since last week, it's .com. Before that, it was .de, but now it's www.ameria.com. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, thanks again for spending the time with me. Thank you, Dave. Um, thank you for a uh, for really, really interesting half hour with you. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 16.9 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.